Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution, not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avant Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. And I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. And today I'm speaking with Rochelle Sheik. I just learned how to pronounce Rochelle's last name, and I told her it suits her very much. It is a fun name to pronounce, Rochelle Sheik. (laughs) And I've heard about Rochelle through the grapevine, and I had the chance to meet her here in Boulder a few months ago and to take a class with her, and it was really nice to connect in person. Rochelle's the founder and author of the forthcoming book on Koya, which is a form of authentic movement based on the idea that through movement, we remember. 
It draws on the wisdom of yoga, the creative expression of dance, and the celebration and embodiment of the sacred feminine. So, Rochelle, thanks for being here and welcome. Mm, Thank you so much. I'm really, really honored to be here with you and for all the souls who chime in to listen. Mm. And Rochelle, we always begin our gatherings here at The Way the Happy Woman with a personal check-in to help us get more relaxed and comfortable with each other. So I'd love for you to share where you're calling from today and how you're feeling at the levels of body, mind, and heart. Mm, Thank you. Well, I am in my really beautiful home in the Oakland Hills looking out at trees and I have the door open so like a cool breeze comes in and there's wind chimes, um, which is a really sweet sound. And I'm in the midst of a very chaotic (laughs) uh, deadline to finish up my book and at the same time um, feeling so grateful because I was able to take an entire month out of my schedule. So that was the only thing on my to-do list. So um, it's been amazing. I've just had a lot of time to write and rest in this in this home, and I've spent so much time as a nomad that having a home is a really big blessing. So I'm I'm you know there's there's full of, there's many layers, but I'm centered in gratitude and really inspired to be able to talk to you um, in the midst of where I am in my own personal process as well. Mm. I I took some time for myself as well when I was working on my two books and it just made all the difference in the world just to have that little creative cocoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the perfect phrase for it. It really it really is like a chrysalis mm-hmm. um, where, you know, someone asked, like, how's your dating life? And I was like, well, I haven't left the house in days, <laughs> so it's a little quiet. I don't have a dating life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm engaged to my computer right now. Yeah. So, but it is but, its own kind of love affair. That's what is. I find. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I feel like this will be one of the best things for my dating life. It's like this alchemy that as these stories go out, I write a lot about my dating life in the book. That is like as they live in the book, they don't have to live in me anymore. They're, I get to write a new chapter. So I feel like this is a good investment in future relationships. Yes, definitely. <laughs> So, Rochelle, we're starting out these interviews with the hero's journey mm-hmm. and looking at what what is our relationship to that narrative. Have you had a relationship to the hero's journey? And if so, what has it been? For me, the hero's journey was similar to what you mentioned in the book of just being like really good um, and successful academically and just feeling this way that like, okay, I have to work the system um, where I really, really wanted to like prove myself that I could be like just as smart as any man or boy, you know, more in school. And then like was really physically active and like would like do track and pole vaulting. And just, I kind of had this mentality of the way my mom raised me, like anything that a boy can do, I can do too. And so the, the interesting part of that was um, it didn't last very long. I read the book, The Alchemist, when I was 18. And, you know, the whole idea of when you follow your heart, the world conspires on your behalf. So, like, at a very young age, when I was choosing my major, instead of choosing something academic, I went ahead and chose a dance major and then ended up 
choosing like a humanities, spirituality, um, studying mental, physical, emotional, spiritual benefits of movement major, I made my own, and really lived into that experiment of what happens when you follow your heart. So I had like two months in corporate America, and it's, it didn't, it didn't work. I just couldn't do it. And so I ended up living the majority of my adult life, if not all of it from when I was 18 from a more feminine place. But I guess the place where the hero's journey really affected me was there's plenty of times that I did and still do now. You know, I don't have, didn't have like as much financial sex success as those around me. I really judged that I was so focused on the body and emotions that I was somehow less evolved than other people around me. Like I could really feel the cultural judgments around me as I was making my decisions. And so, um, but I, so it definitely affected me, but I wasn't as caught up in it um, as uh, some of the other people that I work with and know. Right. You were able to somehow define different priorities mm-hmm. early on. It's that's similar to my journey too. And mm-hmm. that those aren't, like you said, those aren't really valued by the majority of the collective, mm-hmm. the body, the inner life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what, what made you go down that path? Like how, how did you end up creating this body of work of Koya? Well, I had been following my heart and all the different nonlinear directions it was taking me. So, you know, for one year I had this strong message to take a year to just travel around the world and practice following my intuition, to not mm-hmm. try to plan ahead and just be in that moment-to-moment awareness. And then I was called to become a yoga teacher and then an energy healer and then, you know, a massage therapist. And so I kept, you know, working as much as I needed to work to raise money for the next vision or intuition that I had. And um, I kept getting the message that it would all come together, but I was losing a little bit of faith because it had been maybe 10 years of me doing that. And I was like, you know, am I really just going to be like this perpetual student of like esoteric things? And uh, then one day I was in a women's circle in New York City and this woman, a very successful lawyer, just raised her hand in the circle and said, listen, everyone says I need to get out of my head and into my body and I have no idea what they're talking about. And all of a sudden I heard something beyond what she was saying with her words. I was hearing she she's not looking for the next fitness fad. She wants to know what it feels like for like to be in her body, to like have her spirit and her soul experience through her physical form. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been learning. You know, I grew up as a dancer, been doing yoga for 10 years. I got into pole dancing, massage therapy, like all these things. It was all about reconnecting with feeling my connection to the sacred through my physical form. So I just raised my hand and I said, you know, I think I hear your question that it's not about like, burning calories or it's just about coming into your body and I was like I can teach you I was like we'll do a class on Sunday nights there'll be yoga dance sensual movement and that's really how Koya was born um six and a half years ago was just that moment where all the things I've been studying all of a sudden found this way that they could be presented as a cohesive piece Mm. beautiful it's a really um it's a really interesting and wise blend of these different traditions and very accessible, I found. Yeah. Even though I have a lot of experience in those, tra- those traditions, I feel that, just like you said, any woman could come in and kind of get into her body. Mm-hmm. And that's been the biggest 
blessing and one of my intentions too is really to demystify the the function of embodying the divine right you know it's like that it really can happen in two minutes and it really can happen for anyone and the heroine's journey is this process of embodying the divine mm-hmm. what when you hear the phrase the heroine's journey what does that mean for you well the first thing um comes up to me um I, I also really enjoyed Maureen Murdoch's book and so I, I thought about that a lot and how that's inspired my own journey and particularly the place where it came for me with that was a lot about like mothering myself and then also realizing that I'm in a culture of like uninitiated mothers so like initiating my mother in a way and initiating other women by creating conditions where they can have their heroine's journey. And for me, Mother Mary is this huge archetype in my life. Like you um, make mention of Mary Magdalene coming to you in visions and experiences. It's always Mother Mary that's come to me. So when I think of the heroine's journey, I think a lot about this idea of of mothering as metaphor and that it's not only, you know, creating babies, but it's about creating things for the highest good of all. And what what a practice that's been for me to really nurture myself like I would a child and to really take the blame out of the challenges that I had previously had with my mother to just see her as another soul that's evolving and and like love her with like the unconditional love that a mother, you know, um, archetypically has for a child to extend that back. And uh, it's just been so sweet to feel the mother energy um, and feel it in a way that I haven't birthed children in this world, but that, but that it's something that I've been able to take in. And um, I, so it's really the mother energy that comes to me the most when I think of the heroine's journey. Mm. I love that. I feel very much the same way that my, my own journey has been about learning to mother myself. Mm hmm. And to forgive and love my mother unconditionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also to create these spaces for women. Yeah. Women to mother themselves and to mother things in the world, even if they're not children, especially now that more and more women are deciding not to have children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just sharing with my roommate the other day that I was seeing a lecture given by Jean Houston, and she said, you know, this is one of the first times on the planet in human history where having a child may not be what's best for the greater good of the world. You know, like they're like just evolutionary wise, some women might be really called to create something completely, you know, whether it's their work or this or that. And that, um, and just to hold space for that, that it's, you know, we're just in really interesting times. Mm-hmm. And Rochelle, the heroine's journey really kind of, strengthens, intensifies during periods of transition and crises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these descents into the underworld. Mm-hmm. What has been a major descent in your life that helped you to become who you are today? Mm. Well, the truth is there's there's so many. <laughs> um, but... but um, but they they tend to have a similar theme, and the theme has really been heartbreak. And uh, there's a there's a thread that weaves 
a few of them together where I um, met a man that I was just head over heels with, like everything in our relationship on the surface was perfect. And we always wanted to have the same meal at the same time. It's like, what do you want for dinner? We both look at each other in like a game. It'd be like, sushi, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the next day it would be like, Indian. And like we always said the same thing at the same time. And that was just really one example of how our entire life was. We had insatiable passion for each other. We were both entrepreneurs, had a ton of freedom in our life. and But there was always this feeling in my gut that something was off and I could never pinpoint it. And I would go to him and I'd be like, I feel like something's off, like, what's going on? And he'd be like, you're crazy. Everything's perfect. I love you. And I just kept feeling something was off. And then I'd be like, are you dating someone else? No. And I just, you know, but everything on the surface was so beautiful. And my lifestyle was so amazing. And I loved him so much that I kept overriding that voice until three years later where I was just like, he would go to the bathroom and my body would shake. And as my body would shake, I could hear this voice that said, check his phone, check his phone. And it just was getting so intense in my body that I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I went to therapy and told my therapist, you know, I've self-diagnosed myself as an, you know, an inability to receive love, probably because I never saw it as a child. And, you know, I have this perfect boyfriend and I'm self-sabotaging it with these beliefs. And so she said, well, exactly what's going on? And then I told her what I just told you. And she said, you know, it's interesting. It feels like you're a lot more concerned about trusting him and a lot less concerned with your ability to trust yourself. Mm. And she just said, you know, if your body says check his phone, check his phone. Mm. So um, it was really interesting because it's like now I had permission from like a professional mental health <laughs> person <laughs> to do this. And so I felt, you know, but it wasn't even that. It was just like I felt so reassured just that she was like she wasn't telling me that I was crazy. Um, and so I did check his phone and, and he had a double life. I mean, it was beyond any sort of like, oh, he cheated on me once. I mean, it was like, it was so bizarre, um, the depth of deception that was happening. And at the same, as painful as that was, um, you know, it was almost in hindsight, much later, I would come to really celebrate my own intuition because I actually didn't find anything that I hadn't questioned. It was, you know, it's like, yes, he cheated on me, but there was, you know, at the same time, a parallel truth that I was really betraying myself. Mm. And so, you know, this was all happening as I was beginning to create Koya. So the irony here, the beautiful irony, is I'm training and teaching women to trust themselves while I am going against my own. And so I really had to do like a integrity check with myself. And I quit teaching and I enrolled in shamanic studies for six months. It's this program that normally takes two years with the four wins that I was like, I'm going to do everything in six months, went to Peru for a month and just really was like, I need to clean myself up because I can't teach women from a wounded place and I can't teach what I'm, you know, bypassing in my own life and be a hypocrite. And um, so went through and, you know, shamanism, it's like, you know, this idea when you call yourself a shaman, the question is, well, when did you first die? And this was, you know, really dealing with the situation it was a descent. It was a death. And... I, um, you know, I emerged from it really realizing the soul retrieval piece was if I actually learned the lesson here of trusting myself, and I actually was so reverent of that from here moving forward, this would be one of the best things that would ever happen to me in my life if I embodied the lesson. Mm. And, and so I recommitted to that and in a really big way. And, you know, this process, you know, I'm saying it to you in three minutes, it's been, you know, five or six years. Um, 
so and and always illuminating and revealing a new layer of depth in in the healing process which is a spiral more than a circle <laughs> as i experience it um but that that's the story that comes to mind as the most the most poignant and how it really relates also to my sacred work and with the time that you took off to mm-hmm. kind of come into integrity with yourself what and to strengthen trust in yourself was there a particular teaching or practice or experience that particularly helped with that because I know this is something that we all struggle with as women Mm-hmm. yeah definitely um for me I was doing for me I mean it's always about getting into the body because when I'm miserable it's because I'm like judging myself from a story in the past or I'm uh, experiencing fear about something that will or will not happen in the future. But if I can just get in my body, that is what gets me in the moment. And then in the moment, usually everything's pretty good. <laughs> like even, even if I can feel the intensity of the pain, like there's, if I'm really in the moment, it feels like there's a simultaneous gratitude for, for just experiencing the full range of life. So coming back into the body has always been a way to, come back to a deeper truth of of no because in the moment I feel like that's where all the power is that's where all the compassion is and that's where just the permission is to live your life it's like but in my mind and in the past and the future that's where I would experience the most pain and struggle so coming into the body was was a huge part of that healing and then also just my studies with shamanism um, a big piece was that soul retrieval piece and so, I mean, the essence of a soul retrieval piece is just looking that wound in the eye and figuring out what the gift is. And then if you can move forward with the gift, you don't have to hold on to the pain. Because it's like any time a feeling comes up about that man in my life now, if I realize instead of going into just the pain, which I can if I need to cry or, or dance or yell or break dishes or something, but... Um, but if I can go into what the gift was, be like, oh, this was to trust myself, I can apply that directly to my life and I don't have to take that, you know, jump into that rabbit hole. Right. And what are some of your favorite ways daily to stay connected to your body? Well, for me, I'm I'm a big fan of Koya, um, so I do classes Obviously. often. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I teach them. But from that, um, my favorite practice that I do daily and highly recommend to anyone, and it's a divination practice where you just take the music on your phone or your computer and whatever question you have about what's going on in your life or you could just ask, you know, what do I need to know now? And then press shuffle. And then whatever song comes, you know, find the way, like just like you would pull a tarot card or a goddess card or something, it's not so much that you pull the right or the wrong card, it's really cultivating your ability to see and it's like, how can I find my relationship to this song right now? I find 99% of the time this takes zero effort and it's so perfect and magical in a way that I could never respond. Like, I was finishing one of these heartbreak stories and then I took a took a break from writing because I've been staring at the screen for like six hours and I put my songs on shuffle. You know, there's over 3,000 songs on there and the song that came was Ani DeFranco, Heartbreak Even. Mm. And it was just like, it was, just, it's just, I mean, in like those moments, it's like, why deny yourself from them by picking a song? It's like, you can put them on shuffle and just feel like 
just this loving embrace from the divine, it, it becomes so palpable. For me, that's my relationship to Shuffle, and everyone that I've initiated into this practice finds that it's true for them, too. So a big practice that brings a lot of joy is just get your music, press Shuffle, and dance to whatever song comes. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's so good. And I also want to share with our listeners, um, for anyone who wants to try out Koya, you have a lot of videos on your website. Mm-hmm. So I will link to that in the show notes and I encourage anyone to go check those out because that's also a great way just in a short amount of time to get into yes. your body. Yes, thank you. I found I was writing all these blog posts really trying to be compelling, like, go move, go move. And I was like, you know what, why don't I just send them videos <laughs> that they can, they can actually move to? And so um, it's, they're, they're free 15-minute movement rituals with different themes. And, and I find, yeah, it's just a simple, easy way to get in your body that's very effective. Yeah, and you send them out every new moon and full moon. Yep, exactly. And I choose the theme based on what's going on in the stars. And we spoke about this before we started recording, and we already mentioned it a little bit in this interview, is our shared relationship with Mary. Mm-hmm. And what are some ways, this isn't something that we often talk about publicly, mm-hmm. but what are some ways that you connect with the divine? And in particular, since you have such a strong relationship with Mary, how, what what is that like for you? Mm. For me, there's things like I have her image uh, in a lot of places. So, you know, there's Mary candles and that I light every morning and uh, uh, her image on my altar and she's my screensaver on my phone. <laughs> and so like just that visual image is a big reminder to me. And I remember when I was in India and studying a lot about this concept of darshan, like like the valuing of the senses, like to be able to see something in that culture is equivalent almost to touch it. So like I have a deep reverence every time I see her image. And then also I have a divination deck that is a Mother Mary Oracle by Alana Fairchild. So that's one way. Uh, another way for me that I love when I went to go see Our Lady of Guadalupe's site in outside of Mexico City is on all the things that they sold there on the back in English, it translated to, um, am I not your mother? And it, it's just kind of this idea as I went more into it. It's like, am I not your mother? Am I not taking care of you every moment? Like you can call on me anytime, anywhere. Like, am I not your mother? I'm always here. And so for me, it's, you know, anytime I'm experiencing something really challenging, you know, I'll just start saying mother, Mary, mother, Mary, mother, Mary. Mm-hmm. But then I also just, when people are just curious about connecting with their guides or if they want to talk to Mary, I, it's so simple. For me, it's like, you know, calling your best friend on the phone. It's like you just call out. And it's not, for me, I don't find it necessarily that there needs to be a form as much as, um, you know, a real pure heart. And when you reach out for help or guidance, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that won't be granted to you. Beautiful. And I've been listening to you. I have all of my Marys around me here at my desk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three, three paintings of her. I have a pendant of her on my wrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel, feel the same way. Yeah. And if you could help to just make your own unique contribution to our global narrative, 
of our rites of passage as women, what would you want to be sure to include in that? Mm. What's coming forward in this moment is really the ability to honor the grief and to find opportunities to mourn loss and to see it as a way that we actually hold reverence for what has been our joy and our love and not to collapse into the wound of grief, but to expand our heart and to trust love so deeply that we can hold the full emotional spectrum, that we can hold the depth of sorrow, and we can also hold the ecstasy of bliss at the same time. And that this is really the superpower of the feminine, to be able to know all of life, to love all of life. And when we can do that ourselves, I believe that we can mother the generation that's coming. We can hold space for our friends and peers. We can remind the world around us that they can do it too, not because of a theory, but because we lived it. And the power of our being rests in being able to hold the wholeness of our being and our experience. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And Rochelle, what is your... What is your current growing edge? Where where is your heroine's journey leading you to grow and expand now? Oh, well, it's definitely to complete my book and then, you know, to it's one thing to write it, which it can be its own harrowing introspective process, you know, um, and joyful at the same time. Like I'm just saying, I, it's, it's, it's everything, you know, just like living it was, so is writing it. Um, but to... To a growing edge would be that level of vulnerability, um, you know, like you just sharing, publishing your inner life and sharing stories that are so personal um, is what I'm called to do. And at the same time, it requires a lot of growth in my own self-confidence uh, to to do it. And so it's it's definitely where my edge is right now. Well, I wish you so much support and grace mm. with that Thank and you. I really look forward to reading your book and to hopefully dancing with you one day again mm. thank you I would love that and I want to thank you so much for for your book and I like where I am I mentioned personally in this process but I know any woman listening to this or any woman reading it I really believe like when you just share authentically even if the details in your life are different it's relatable and the authenticity and the courage that you had to live your experience, but then also to bring voice to it, I know is going to ripple out in ways that you will see and that will be beyond what you can see. And I'm so honored that our paths crossed so that I could say to you and, you know, and bless this exciting time in your life um, up close instead of from afar. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah. If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. 
Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.